So the question is that your daughter is working, Baruch Hashem, that she's out of the depression and out of the house, and she's holding down some kind of a job, and therefore she has some money. So before she had a job, we supply, we buy, we purchase, whatever you want, we, we serve everything. Now she's working. So the ba- where's the balance? It's good for her to save her money. It's good for her to spend her money. It's good to get, if she spends money, she'll have the incentive to keep on going to work, you know, because I need money. Um, and she'll feel good spending her own money. She'll feel good not taking so much from you. She doesn't like doing that either. She's a good kid. Okay. So the answer to the question, like all of my answers to a little question, is a very deep, 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 deep answer. And it really depends on what we're here to accomplish. What is her problem? Is she a healthy person that we're building up that she should learn the value of money and she should have, quote-unquote, like you said, an incentive to go to work? By incent- by, is she ever going to feel like, I don't, I don't want to work, oh, but I have to because I have bills to pay and therefore I'm incentivized to work? What, what actually is her problem that we're trying to fix? And this is, this is the misconception of, I find, um, the difference between our mahalach and so many other mahalachim that are busy with the symptoms. I want her to be healthy. That's all I care about. She'll, when she's healthy, she'll learn the value of money and she won't spend, you could shut the volume. Okay. She, she won't be a spendthrift and she'll be normal. And she'll save. I've seen the other side of this. Parents going into this, they say like, what do you mean? We give and, and, and now they'll spend everything and forever. No, they won't. I've, I've been on the other side. That's the difference between someone who has experience and someone who doesn't. And no matter how smart you are and you're intelligent people, all of you are intelligent people, common sense is, you know, a kid starts to work. So there are some parents, Goyim, I think, not Jewish people, even charge their kid rent. Because, you know, we're building. Jews don't do that. But anyway, there's all kinds of ideas. But that's all for healthy kids. I had a parent that had a child who was sarconis nefashis. Sarconis nefashis. Like bikuach nefesh, eating disorder, almost dead. Like really terrible situation. And while this is happening, he, it was a he, usually don't have an eating disorder by a male, Right? He stopped working. And the advice that they got, that they paid good money for was, well, you, you, it's not good for him. It's not healthy for him to stop working. He has to understand the value of a dollar. So you tell him, listen, I'll give you minimum amount, $50 a week or $100 a week. But if you want to have money for more stuff, you got to go get a job. This, you're not 15, right? He was already like 28 or something. Because he needs to learn the value of a dollar. He needs to understand achrayas, responsibility. We can't let him just do this. And I'm looking at this guy, and through him, I'm looking at whoever gave him this advice. I'm like, are you crazy people? I said, so before he had his breakdown, he was a regular kid. He understood. He was careful. He was wonderful. Now his life is shattered. He's having a total breakdown. Now we have to teach him lessons? I said, I'll tell you what. How about we get him healthy, and if he's alive, because this kid was really in danger, his potassium level was dropping, he was hospitalized. He, if he's alive and he gets out of his eating disorder, right, and he's stable, 
How about then let's discuss about teaching him the importance of, 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 of a dollar and working for your money and building his self-esteem by not giving him too much. How about we do that after he's stable? Would that be okay with you? And he looks at me and he says, you're so right. You know, would we ever do this with a kid who's sick? A kid who was normal and happy and healthy and functioning and then they get a, a dreaded disease and now they're in the hospital and now we're going to teach them, no, we can't buy it. We bought ready two pair of sneakers for you. No, we're not, we're not here to teach lessons because she doesn't have, your daughter and all these kids do not have a Midos problem. They don't have a, a, uh, a, they don't have any personality problem and they don't have a spiritual problem. All of these are manifestations of a person falling apart that doesn't want to live or that goes through a breakdown of majber, whatever you want to call it. And now they, they can't function. So if you can't function, you can't function spiritually. Certainly not because that takes more function, functionality. And you can't function in, in, in anything to control yourself. How many people eat too much when they're having a bad day? So here they have a bad life, and now we're going to start criticizing them and teaching them and controlling them. And then, as I always say, the road up is just as treacherous as the road down. Now she's Baruch Hashem healing. She's getting she's getting out of out of her thing, and she's starting to work. So let me tell you a story, a true story. All my stories are true. This one's true. They're all true. I, I can't. I don't have to make up stories. I couldn't make up these stories, and these are all. Stories that teach us from experience. Many years ago, there were parents who were not not able to pay bills, and this kid had a had a, a very very bad life, and he had a lot of trauma, and he was very messed up. And he dropped out of school, and he had tattoos and piercings, and he went through you know costing a lot of money to the parents, and they, they everything was fine. They were giving and giving money that they didn't have, just like we do for any sick person. Just physical illness, we do it naturally. Whatever costs, whatever makes the, whatever makes the patient more comfortable, right? Over here, it's like well, no, we have to teach lessons. We 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 get messed up. The kid got a job. And the kid was he got a great job because he's a great kid, and he got a really good job, and he was making more money basically than his father. You know, in the sense that certainly after all expenses, father had all the expenses. This kid is living at home. He's making a thousand dollars a week. He has no expenses. Parents give him food. Parents give him clothing even, you know. And the father went over to the kid and he wanted to tell him, you know, now that you're a self-made man, he's working already for like two months, which is a long time in Kipville. It's like dog years. It's a long time to keep a job. And, you know, maybe since he wanted to tell him, maybe I don't have to give you your, in addition, your allowance. He was giving him um, I think it was $200 a week. You know, just spending money besides for all the expenses. Maybe now you don't need it. So he tells him, I'm so proud of you. You're amazing. You know, I was thinking that maybe now that you're a self-made man and you have money, so now maybe, and right away the guy goes, oh, so are you going to tell me that you're not giving me the allowance anymore? That's what you want? So you're punishing me for, for, for working? So now I'm going to lose out the $200 because I'm going to work. So you know what? I just quit. Now, if you're dealing with a healthy person, and kid comes back from yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael or from a seminary where you where you spent thirty five thousand dollars for seminary or whatever 
crazy number that it is, right? Which for that, everybody has money for somehow. Not everybody, but the people who don't have money for other things, but we have to. And then she's working, and she's successful, and she's a PT or whatever it is that they are. Then, yeah, it could be. I'm not, it's not my sugya, and I'm not going to tell you what to do and uh, what should be done. But I could hear that someone would say, listen, she's making money, so she should buy. I still think parents should buy. But something should come from her. Let's say. But that's not our situation. Here, we're talking about someone who had a, a nervous breakdown. Someone who went through so much pain, and now they're building their self up. So I want in five years from now, I'm not your financial planner. So I'm, my focus is not on your money, although I try to help out with, with money also. And I care about money, and I know it's a pressure, and I know it's a problem, and I feel terrible. But I'll feel worse if your kid is not healthy. So I want her in five years from now, uh, earlier, but I'm saying looking down the road, five years from now, ten years, I want, I want you to have everything you're dreaming of. I need the healthiest, strongest kid. What makes somebody strong? All the regular ideas that what makes a kid strong, it's good for them to pay their own bills. It's good for them to have a cry. Maybe, different discussion, different kid. Not our kid. This kid, the opposite. Not because I don't know what regular chinuch is. And not because of whatever discussions we could have about the regular kids. Because here we have a different tafkid. You tell her, your money is Kaidish Kadashim. All your money should go to your savings. Whatever you need, Mommy and Tati are going to give you. Whether it's clothing, whether it's food, whether it's extras, everything. You're our child, you're our responsibility, we're taking full care of you. Why? First of all, as she sees her money grow in her savings account, if she doesn't spend it, 500, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. That is the incentive to keep on working. In Home Sweet Home, I, I opened up a separate bank account for each kid who moved in. And I and the, the deal that I had with them was, I'm going to hold your money. And it was a chiddush. They trusted me because they trusted nobody. But they knew that I'm paying for the whole thing and I'm sponsoring. I'm, I'm, so they trusted me. And Be'erich, approximately, they made about uh, they, they they had some spending money and they had two fifty approximately was put away a thousand dollars a month. And the deal that I made with them was I said, listen, I know it's really hard to listen to all this. It's a new structure, and you're not really good with listening to structure. We didn't have rules; they made the rules, but there were rules that they made. But I know it's hard for you just just to come home when you're supposed to come home and to go out when you're supposed to go out. And just, I know this is super hard for you, so I'll make you a deal. In three months from now, sometimes I did two months, sometimes I did three months. In three months from now, you're going to have $3,000 in savings. Now, to these kids on the street who were smoking weed, and they never had $3,000. I said, I'll tell you what. If you decide to leave the program, not to stay, to leave, that's why I'm the master capologist. This is super twisted. If you decide to leave the program, not only I'll give you your three thousand, which is yours, I'll add on a thousand dollars. Thank you for staying, and thanks for trying. So every time that you want to break a rule and you want to like, but I want you just to keep your eye on the fact that I'm paying you not to, because I know how hard it is for you. And even though this was all for them, 
they would always forget when the two months or the three months was up. Because that time and, you know, that wasn't their thing. And I would go over to them always on that day because I had, with a check. And I used to go over and say, here's a check. And it said $1,000 on it with their name. And they would always say, this happened every time. I said, the guys who are going to be watching it now, they're, you know, in the 30, you know, 25 to 35 years old. And they're all, thank God, you know, many of them are, are you know, raising beautiful families. So they'll remember. They'll vouch for the story. And I would say to them, here you go. And they'd say, what's this? I'd say, today's 60 days. Well, today's 30 days. What? What? I said, don't you remember? I made up. If you want to leave, you have your money saved up, 2000 or $3,000, right? And a $1,000 bonus because cause you made it to here and you can leave. And at that point, they all said, I'm not going anywhere. This is like, this is the best place in the world. They finally got used to it. They started enjoying it. In the beginning, it was like, I don't want to go. Who are these guys? What do they want? Now they're like, VIP, they were enjoying it. They already, I had set up every day of the week a different group of volunteers. So they already got used to the Monday night guys and the Tuesday night guys. And they already, it was, go, it was good for them. Life was great. And they all said, no way. And then f- from then on, I knew I had them. They were mine. Because you're choosing to stay here and you're giving up $1,000. And then I would tell them the same thing. I'm going to give you this $1,000 at the end of the year as your gift. So when they graduated, they had between ten and twenty thousand dollars in savings. One and and they would give it. I would give them the thousand dollars as a gift. In addition, I gave them uh, other gifts as well. A guy who left told me he goes he, he when he took his check he he walked away with eighteen thousand dollars plus money. He said I have more money than my father. Parents were not doing that well. He had self esteem, and they did well. On month six or month seven or month eight, when they had. They go through a mashper, they go through a breakdown, and they would quit their, want to quit their job. What helped them was I used to give them the monthly statements every month. And they would remember, but I have 6,000, but I have 7,000, but I have 8,000. But who paid for all their stuff? I paid for their, a lot of their clothing. I always made them deals, but the deals were not to do what I want. I'll tell you this story within a story. I, I had Siata de Shemaya. I told him, business business is always open. I'm always open for business. Okay. I said, what do you want? In those days, an iPod was a little cute little thing that took your entire CD collection, which took your entire um, cassette collection and put them at the... Which took your entire record collection, which took your entire... Eight-track, right? And, and it took all of this, like, room full of stuff and it put it in a little thing, this Sony... Um, iPod was like an unbelievable thing. And it cost like 200 250 whatever it was. So most of them said, I want an iPod. I have all my music. Incredible. So I said, sure. And then they would say, okay, what do I have to do? And I said, whatever you want. And they said, what? I said, what do you want to do? And they would say, what? I- I've never heard of a deal like this. I'm like, pick something that you want to do in your life that you need an incentive for. Whatever it is, and we'll make a, a eight week deal or a ten week deal, whatever. I, I started off with twelve week deals, but twelve weeks it's like for little kids. It, it's too long, you know. Like they need it now. Don't make me wait twelve weeks. So then I did eight week deals. I did four week deals. I said pick something. I don't care what it is. They would be like, what? I'm like, do you want to brush your teeth in the morning and at night? Decide that you'll brush your teeth. Make a chart, and I have charts for everybody. 
read the paper, wake up a half an hour earlier, go to anything that you're ready to do, that you feel like you're ready for in your world, that you want to do but you need an incentive and you deserve an incentive and you deserve to be applauded for it, and you get the iPod. Many of them did tzitzis, many of them did tefillin, and many of them did Shabbos. I have a collection, I took pictures of it, so it's in the album, of so many kids signing up to do tefillin and Shabbos. And I said, it doesn't need to be ruchnius. Anything that makes you happy. So some of them in the beginning, they did other stuff, you know, and then, but almost all of them at some point, because most of them left completely from. And I said, this is your incentive that I'm giving you for you. That's how I gave them incentives. Okay, fine. The point was that what makes somebody unhealthy, and maybe healthy as well, but unhealthy for sure, go through those dark times when they want to give up and quit, because during the year, they have different moods. And I always told them, even if you're clean, you got to be clean for a year. you got to get through a winter, spring, summer. you got to get through Pesach and a Sukkot and Rosh all the triggers of the whole year before you know that that this is going to stay. The example that I used to give them is, imagine if you have a very old driveway, and you want to repave it. So you get rid of the old stuff, you, you break it up, you carry it away, you pour the cement. Can you park on it? No. you got to let it sit. So I had a lot of guys who they were like, I'm clean, three months, six months, I want to leave. I'm like, you got to let it sit. you got to get through all the seasons and all the emtayvim. And, and if you're still clean, but that's why it was a one-year program. Okay. So what gave them the incentive when they hit a January dark winter day or a day that they were, went through a specific trauma or, or they saw something that, that broke them. Sometimes they see a car of the guy who molested them and they go, they have breakdowns. But what, what kept, what made them, even if they were sick for a day or two, but what kept them going was, I see my, my net worth growing. I'm worth something. I have $5,000. I have $7,000 and they could leave anytime they want and take their money. So I wanted to pay for everything. We paid for the food. We paid, I never, you know, we, we, whatever I could pay for. I made them, um, I bought them suits when they wanted suits, usually before Yantif and, and depending where they were in the program. Sometimes they didn't want suits. I said, no problem. We'll get you slacks. And I wanted them to dress nicely. I told them the, the ripped jeans, I'm not against it, but the, the, the cheap stuff, I'll buy you expensive, but cheap stuff you could buy, you could buy yourself. I want, I want you to, a nice pair of boots. I didn't care if it was cowboy boots or black, but I don't care. I wanted them to feel that I am somebody. When they walk out, they feel good about themselves. Get them the nicest stuff. That's, that's rebuilding the self-esteem. So the answer to your question is that until after her marriage, you're paying for everything. And you're going to tell her. And you have to understand, we're making up for a lot of darkness that was in her and in in their minds. We're making up for a lot of brokenness. We're making up for a lot of mistakes that we made. Even if we were good and smart, we, we didn't understand them as we should have. We are making up for a lot. And we're telling her, I'm so proud of you. And but uh, we're going to open up a, a savings account, right? And I want you to watch it grow. And whatever expenses you have, we're your parents. We're paying for it. What happens to her self-esteem? grows. What happens to her commitment to wanting to see it? Now, she might stop working because she's sick. She might have a relapse or they might relapse into whatever it is. That would have happened anyway. But they're not going to say, oh, really? You're paying for everything? 
So then I don't need to work. Why? I'll tell you why and I'll give you the proof. Why? Because healthy people, you can't hold them down. Healthy people want. When they can, they will. Healthy people want to be successful. They want to build a life. They want to go to work. They don't want to, to just lie in bed. And if you say you can lie in bed for the rest of your life, as long as they're sick, they'll take you up on it. But when they're healthy, you can't hold them down. That's why they're going to work. That's why they're going to school. That's why they want to become, they want to be. They want to be. And what's the proof that I'm right? Your daughter. You did TP. You paid for everything. So why did she get a job to begin with? That's the proof. And now that she got a job, we're going to change. We, we, she's healing. She got out of the wheel. She's starting to walk. Now we're going to change things on her. Okay, good. Now you have money. So now we're not going to give this. You have to pay allowance. You buy your own stuff, whatever. We're going to punish her as she's starting to heal. That's how it's going to feel to her. And instead of realizing that we don't need to do any of that stuff. We're dealing with Jewish people. Okay, she's going to want to make money. It's in her it's in her DNA. She's gonna to want to be successful. She's gonna to want to build her life. And you could tell your kid, you don't have to work. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to. That's that's how far this goes. Not only pressuring them is wrong and and really stupid. It comes from a lack of experience of understanding that this person is sick. You would never pressure someone with even just fever. And we're talking about breakdowns and suicidal and people are pressuring them and threatening them. If you're not going to work, you can't stay here. And you're threatening someone who who had a breakdown. So not only we don't we we don't need to pressure them, and we shouldn't, but you can put in front of her. You can say, "Guess what, sweetie? You won a lifetime of free support. I will support you for the rest of your life, and they will not stay home and and um, mooch off of you for one day after the point that they can go and do it themselves. You're you're a proof of that." Right? You were giving your son and giving and giving and giving. And as soon as he was able to get things together, he went to work. And what time did he start work? Five in the morning. morning. When did he come home? Three Three p.m. And how happy was he? The happiest in the world. Why? Mommy and daddy are pledging to you. We're going to support you for the rest of your life. It It doesn't stop them from wanting to build a life for themselves and feel good and build a career. And for the week that it lasted... Two weeks, I'm sorry. Okay, why did he stop? Why did he stop? Because because you're going to tell him, I'm not going to give you money, or I'm going to give you money anyway, or he realized, why should I work? I have, my parents are going to support me anyway? No. No. It stopped because he broke. Because anyway, it's not the right thing. You don't go from no job to full-time job. It's got to be real slow. It, it, fixing anything takes time, one step at a time. But he, he showed you that he's not here to mooch off of you. And he showed you how good he was, and he was shining. And you, and you, you thought, okay, we're done forever. And I don't want to be the one to say, sorry, this doesn't work that way. Okay, but I, I feel like Hashem, if you look at it the way I look at it, Hashem gave you a little hug. He said, let me just show you, let me show you who your kid really is. He was davening better and he was happy and he started making brachas and everything came together. Why? Because I'm alive. And then he couldn't do it. Breakdown. And then he's miserable. And then he's, you know, they shower less usually. And they, of course, because they're having a breakdown. They need Tylenol. 
They don't need all of these chinuch ideas or parenting ideas or how to, um, I don't know, business ideas. It's just misplaced completely legamri. Clear? You don't look too happy about this. <laughs> so I know it means that, that you're going to watch her bank account rise and you're going to watch your bank account go down and you're going to say, this is not fair. You're healing her. You're healing her. Let her, let her have, Hashem should help. She should have $10,000 in savings. She should have $20,000. She should get married with $50,000 in savings because the more that she has in savings, the more self-esteem she's going to have. Even though technically, according to the intellect, you could say, no, she doesn't have self-esteem because sure you could, you didn't pay for anything to list. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And the truth is a lot of people, their kids get married, they go to Kyle, they're learning, they're not learning, I don't know, and they're getting full support. And, and people pay for a wedding for five, six hours, they pay more. So just let it, let her heal. You use, and you tell her, your money is, and, and the truth is it's true. Her money is not like when you were a kid and you started to go to work. She has to, she has to use energy that we can't even fathom to be able to continue. And even if she's having a good, a good week or two or three, she will hit times in the year, like I said, or, or times that she can't do it. And she will push herself as, as much as possible. So it's the exact opposite. Once again, exact opposite of the therapy world, which, which consistently parents are telling me, and I have nothing against the therapy world. I'm just scratching my head. I'm like, why don't you understand how this works? Because we're doing this very successfully. You look at kids, our kids a couple of years later, when they can, they will. And not only will they not mooch off of you, they will support you. They will buy gifts for you. They will be there for you. And for the rest of your life, they, you're, you're being kinda and evid. They're going to be the ones who are going to take care of you when you're old. Mark my words. We have so much testimony. Not that we're doing this for that long, but it, it's happening even... Don't go here. Don't go here. We have so much testimony um, of, of even before, of kids buying <laughs> gifts for their parents, or as soon as they're making money, as soon as they have it, they're buying their parents nice, like, like expensive things. I have so many mothers and fathers getting beautiful gifts from their kid. In the beginning, before they're fully healed... They're going to buy you beautiful, it's going to be, now they buy nothing, they don't even know anybody else exists. Then when they get healthier, they're going to buy you beautiful gifts on your credit card. <laughs> but they're going to be thinking of you, and they want to be made tough to you, they want to give you, and, and it's like this uh, kid went out to eat, the father took him out to an expensive restaurant, and at the end the kid says, the father goes to pay, and the kid says, no, it's okay, it's on me. And he takes out his father's credit card. <laughs> True story. In their mind, in really, in their mind, this is my credit card. I have access to these funds, you know, and I want to, you know, I want it to be a, they really, they're so good and they're so messed up, but they're, they're puppies. They're beautiful. As long as you understand that. So the answer to your question is the same answer to so many questions that people, while we're dealing with a major breakdown and kids are dealing with drugs, kids are dealing with, with, with all kinds of stuff, Right. We're worried about teaching them a lesson and how to build, you know, other... It's like, no, 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 no. But there's more than that. Your entire ability to affect her future comes from you providing. Your entire ability to affect her future mental stability and health, to fight off relapses, whether it's 
emotional relapses, psychiatric relapses, um, drug relapses. How many of our TP kids, after they get stable, relapse? Very small percentage. Out there, tons and tons. I'm not busy with relapses. We have some kids that take a long time till they get healthy, but relapses after like, you know, clean for a year or two, and that's when a lot of the deaths unfortunately happen. Relapsing even five years later, even ten years later. I don't think we had, um, we, we did have one. Um, we, ha- we had, but with not even a quarter of 1% of what we're dealing with. Not that, not that a neshama is a statistic, but I'm just saying compared to what they're dealing with, we're doing very well. We're killing it. We're killing the odds. So your, her, her, her stability of strength is you. And when you're giving her, every time you give her, Cash, check. I like I like cash better because then you here's another two hundred. Here's a hundred. Can I get a hug? That's all I want. And in the beginning, some of them unfortunately are so sick that they won't hug you, either because they can't be touched because of their trauma, or because we didn't start this at the beginning and we destroyed the relationship because either I don't know we were in pain or we got bad advice. But it should never have been there. That, that touching and hugging and fun and loving. If you start at the beginning, it should never be destroyed. So I want you giving her. You're not giving her money. You're giving her a future. You're bonding her to you. You're bonding her to you. You always love your supplier. I don't want her to be mishubed to anybody else. How do you say mishubed in English? Sub? Subservient. I don't want her to owe anybody anything. I want her to mommy and daddy. Here, you know what? Where's that? Where's that? Where's that paper that I had? I want to show you something. I was going to read it. I don't want her or him to owe anybody anything. I want everything to come from you. And then when your nafshik shur benafshay increases, if you care about her ruchnius, that's going to help for the ruchnius also. Indebted. I don't want her to be indebted to anybody else. Okay, hold on one second. I want to read this to you. Okay, I found it. So I just want to give you a little history without giving any too, way too many details. You would think that the age of the girl who wrote this, who posted this publicly, would be 14, 13, 15. This is a, a woman who is 30 years old, who's divorced, went off the derech, and he was, li- and she was living with a guy, unfortunately, with a, like a 45 year old gentleman, um, Italian guy, and, um, her parents came here, and she has children, and they started doing TP, which we pay for everything, and you're not subservient to anybody else. You don't need anything from anybody without saying it, because we're not going to say, oh, here, don't go to him. No, no, no. It's all, and, and it's not as a game. They really understood. They really love their kid, and they really want to be there for her. It's not, a, it's not like, um, okay. This is what she posted. Okay. A 30 year old. My dad just told me I look pretty with my new bangs and eyebrows. And honestly, dot, dot, dot. That's the only man's approval I will ever need. That's TP. Okay? You, moms, but especially dads, for the girls and the boys, you have to be there everything. So when you're giving her, and you're giving her, you can build a relationship that, that she thinks of you as the ultimate person I want to spend time with. People always say, oh, my kid says, uh, I don't want to go on vacation with you. I want to go with my friends. So remember this rule. 
Healthy kids would rather go on vacation with their friends. Kips, kids in pain, would rather go with their parents once you prove that you don't judge them and you accept them because their friends are crackpots and nothing ever happens. And they make all these plans and they all, it's, it's a lot. But when you go with mom and you go with dad and you treat them properly, machaya. There's no pressure even if you missed the plane. There's no problem even if you didn't pack half the stuff that you were supposed to pack. Every, he's just so calm, so cool. I get a nice car. We go out. We did, we spoil them. And the result is from our spoiling them, I have him nidava, the Navi says. I love them for free, for nothing, right? They, they, they connect to us. They like being around us. They push it like being around us. And then, your compliment means the most to me. So when, when my father says to me, you're beautiful, or you're handsome, or you're so strong, or to the boys, to the girls, whichever way you want to give, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> Whatever works, right? Then they really, after you do TP and you have NKN, Nafshek, Shurba, Nafshek, which we, we, it was there when they were born and it was never supposed to go away. When you build the NKN and then you use it properly with complimenting and everything, that's it. And then, then they could say things that, that are astounding. They heal, they get healthy, they want to be like you. And then they'll say things like this week, just this week. Where a girl broke up, broke off with her Gaisha boyfriend, who she was engaged to, and not because of the normal way of saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna have a heart attack," and all, which is all true, right? But because of the enormous acceptance of the parents and the enormous showering of love and fun and doing all of our trips and all of our tricks, and she broke off with the guy, and she said, "You know, I just..." <laughs> Whatever. I don't want to give out details which, which, uh, what the guy's name was. But, um, and, and she said, she said, I, I don't want that. I don't want that. Right? I can't, and, and she said, I, I don't want, I don't want to hurt my parents. I don't want to, and it's not with guilt. It's with, with pride. Like, I don't, I just don't want to be, I, that's the only thing you can do to stop that from happening is to have such a relationship where they and, and they know that no matter what I do, you're always my child and I will always be there for you. And it's tricky and it's scary, but it doesn't make them go further. The hardest thing about TP is everybody thinks that if you don't hit the brake, the car is going to go forever. No. You hit the brake, the car is going to spin. That's what happens when you start controlling them. They freak out. They end up doing stuff that even they didn't want to do. They can't, they lose all Bechira, which they don't have, I don't know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Any, all sense in their brain, and they spin, and they spin, and they spin, just like on black ice. What's your first feeling? God forbid, nobody should be in this situation. Imagine somebody's going, with a car full of, of, of people, a van, six kids, and they hit black ice. Rahman al-Itzlan. What's your first instinct? Hit the brake. Hit the brake. Everything in you is saying, I, I'm going to, and, and you know that if you don't, it could be even an oil tanker in front of you. I don't, it, it's like you, you lost control. I got to hit the brake. How do you feel when your kids are acting like this? And they're going out and they're saying, pardon my French, F you, which most people didn't even know was French. <laughs> Drop dead. It's 
Hitler was right. I mean, we've heard the craziest things, but bottom line is they're not responding to your control anymore. So you, what do you want to do? You want to hit the brake. And while you're about to hit the brake in slow motion, your wife Googles what to do when you hit black ice, and then she goes, no! And you're like, but I have to! And she's like, no! Why? Google! Okay, the worst thing you could possibly do is hit the brake. You might crash, but if you hit that brake, you're going to spin, and you're going to spin, and you're going to wipe out who knows how many people are going to die. It feels very uncomfortable to let this, let this thing go out of control. And I'm asking you to let go of the wheel, and it feels like impossible, but the truth is you haven't been controlling this car for the last months or years. This wheel that you've been so, we should make it right, we should make it, it's not connected to the car. So many parents who are busy thinking and planning and meetings, and we're going to tell her this, and we're going to tell them that, and it's like, they're not listening to you right now, and um, you really can't stop them. Family that was here, true story, all my stories are true. 15-year-old girl, from 13 to 15, she was spun out of control. And they did everything. They even put on the alarm in the house, which had um, uh, motion detectors in the hallways and the downstairs and the front doors and everything to make sure that she doesn't leave in the middle of the night. It, that's called jail, right? And I would do the same thing. I'd go, hey, what else are you supposed to do? Because she was sneaking out. And what she did was she disconnected and, and got around the zone of her bedroom window. And on the second floor, she somehow got out of the window in the middle of the night Okay, now what do you do? Put her on the third floor? Can't control these kids. The idea is to change their rutsen, and they did. They came here at 15 years old, and Mamish, it was, they came June. Three years later, June was her wedding. She got married, Kadas Moshe Yisrael, and it's a beautiful picture of her father with the strimal by the mitzvotans, where usually Hasidim, they'll hold their daughter's hands by the mitzvotans, but they're not going to just embrace them and just... She was sobbing on his shoulder because he saved her. Because all the stuff they did before, stopping the credit card and throwing out the shoes, she bought eight-inch heels and all of that stuff didn't work. It just made her worse. Sending out spies. He had mamish spies out, the whole family. She's in the park. She did, And here they came here and they did horrible things to show acceptance because she was so messed up. Horrible things, which we needed the highest das Torah to agree to. Not little guys. Big, big, very difficult stuff that they did. Uh, examples? Uh, you, your daughter is giving you her own examples. So you don't need her, this other person's... All the bad stuff. And then she dumped the boyfriend, and then she started keeping Shabbos, and then three years later she got married. She didn't want to get married in Bar Park because she didn't want her old friends to come. She didn't want not invite them, but she didn't want to make it easy. So she made it in Williamsburg, and I was there by the Shmorg, even though I don't usually go to weddings, but I happened to be in the neighborhood. And I just got to see this, this lechted kala. Now, now it's six, seven years later. And she's on kid number three and beautiful family. And her parents, when they came back from a vacation, I think they were in Florida, and they arrived back home like at 11 o'clock at night 
on the fridge is a note, right? In case you're hungry. And out of their nine kids, there was only one kid that thought maybe mommy and daddy are going to be hungry when they come back from the flight and made a, a delicious, not just a turkey roll sandwich, which would have been nice. Beautiful home-cooked meal with all the things. Welcome home. Love you. In case you're hungry, you should have food. Forever, she's going to be indebted to them. And that's what makes us think, why do we only do this with our kids who are off the derech or on drugs? Every kid wants love and acceptance and being there. And we throw that away with all these things. Oh, you got to teach them. you got to show them. And we're the enemy. And we got to negotiate with them. we got to argue with them. And it, it's like, it's such a ruach shtus. It was never part of parenting in a Jewish perspective, arguing with a kid, being the enemy, fighting, controlling how much they spend. And then they're going to be cheap. It, it, it makes sense. Anyway, that's a different schmooze for a different night. Did I answer your question? You want to give her money. Not just for all the other reasons, because you want to be the one saying, in her hand, mommy, daddy. And remember I told you how to give money. You give, and then yitain, v'yachser v'yitain. You say, oh, you know what? Take another another 50 in case you need it. I always want you to have extra money. Enjoy yourself. How much? Dad, you got any money? You going out? What do you need? I don't know, like let's say, um, you know, $60, $70, no problem. Give it. And so you know what? Here's another, here's another 40. Make it 100. Big hug. All I want is a hug. You're saving their lives physically, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. Because you're bonding them to you. Because that's how she knows and, and he knows. Yes, that's how people know that you like them. Because you can give a million dollars a year. If they ask for a million dollars and you give a million dollars, they have no idea that you really wanted to. It's like, okay, I'm giving you what you're asking for. But as soon as you give more, it cashers up all the other money that you gave. So when they ask for 100 and you give 120, it's not just that extra 20 shows you that the 100 is really because I, I wanted to give it to you. Otherwise, you can give the 100 and give the 50 and give the million, you can give the 2 million, it doesn't matter. They know that I get because I get what I like, I get the minimum, what I ask. I want to show them that, and, and that's the story of Sai and the sushi boat, which I've said many times, not for now. Okay, good luck. <laughs>